0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. I'm so glad you tuned in. Let's continue with Mr. Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, Chapter 5, Segment 1. One end of the great barn was piled high with new hay, and over the pile hung the four-talon Jackson fork suspended from its pulley. The hay came down like a mountain slope to the other end of the barn, and there was a level place as yet unfilled with the new crop. At the sides, the feeding racks were visible, and between the slats, the heads of horses could be seen. It was Sunday afternoon. The resting horses nibbled the remaining wisps of hay, and they stamped their feet, and they bit the wood of the mangers and rattled their halter chains. "'The afternoon sun sliced in through the cracks of the barn walls "'and lay in the bright lines on the hay. "'There was a buzz of flies in the air, "'the lazy afternoon humming. "'From outside came the clang of horseshoes on the playing peg "'and the shouts of men playing, encouraging, jeering. "'But in the barn it was quiet and humming and lazy and warm.' Only Lenny was in the barn, and Lenny sat in the hay beside a packing case under a manger in the end of the barn that had not been filled with hay. Lenny sat in the hay and looked at a little dead puppy that lay in front of him. Lenny looked at it for a long time, and then he put out his huge hand and stroked it, stroked it clear from one end to the other. And Lenny said softly to the puppy, why do you got to go get killed? You ain't so little as mice. I didn't bounce you hard. He bent the pup's head up and looked in its face, and he said to it, Now maybe George ain't gonna let me tin no rabbits if he finds out you got killed. He scooped a little hollow and laid the puppy in it and covered it over with hay, out of sight. But he continued to stare at the mound he had made. He said, This ain't no bad thing like I'd a like I gotta go and hide in the brush. Oh, no, this this ain't. I'll tell George I found it dead. He unburied the puppy and inspected it, and he stroked it from ears to tail. He went on sorrowfully. But he'll know. George always knows. He'll say, you done it. Don't try to pull nothing over on me. And he'll say, now just for that, you don't get to tend no rabbits. Suddenly, his anger rose. God damn you, he cried. Why do you got to get killed? You ain't so little as mice. He picked up the pup and hurled it from him. He turned his back on it. He sat bent over his knees and he whispered, Now I won't get to tend the rabbits. Now he won't let me. He rocked himself back and forth in his sorrow. From outside came the clang of horses on the iron stake. And then a little chorus of cries. Lenny got up and brought the puppy back and laid it on the hay and sat down he stroked the pup again. You wasn't big enough, he said. They told me and told me you wasn't. I didn't know you'd get killed so easy. He worked his fingers on the pup's limp ear. Maybe George won't care, he said. This here goddamn little son of a bitch wasn't nothing to George. Curly's wife came around the end of the last stall. She came very quietly so that Lenny didn't see her. She wore her bright cotton dress and the mules with the red ostrich feathers. Her face was made up and the little sausage curls were all in place. She was quite near to him before Lenny looked up and saw her. In a panic, he shoveled hay over the puppy with his fingers. He looked sullenly up at her. She said, what you got there, sonny boy? Lenny glared at her. George says I ain't to have nothing to do with you. Talk to you or nothing. She laughed. "'George giving you orders about everything?' "'Lenny looked down at the hay. "'Says I can't tend no rabbits if I talk to you or anything.' "'She said quietly. "'He's scared Curly'll get mad. "'Well, Curly got his arm in a sling, "'and if Curly gets tough, you can break his other hand. "'You didn't put nothin' over on me "'about getting it caught in no machine.' "'But Lenny was not to be drawn. "'No, sir, I ain't gonna talk to you or nothin'. "'She knelt in the hay beside him. "'Listen.' she said. All the guys got a horseshoe tenement going on. It's only about four o'clock. None of them guys is going to leave that tenement. Why can't I talk to you? I never get to talk to nobody. I get awful lonely. Lenny said, well, I ain't supposed to talk to you or nothing. I get lonely, she said. You can talk to people, but I can't talk to nobody but Curly, else he gets mad. How'd you like not to talk to anybody? Lenny said, well, I ain't supposed to. George scared I'll get in trouble. She changed the subject. What you got covered up there? Then all of Lenny's woes came back to him. Just my pup, he said sadly. Just my little pup. And he swept the hay from on top of it. Why, he's dead, she cried. He was so little, said Lenny. I was just playing with him and, and, and he made like he was going to bite me and, and I made like I was going to smack him and, and i done it and then he was dead. She consoled him. Don't you worry none. He was just a mutt. You can get another one easy. This whole country is full of mutts. It ain't that so much, Lenny explained miserably. George ain't going to let me tend no rabbits now. Why won't he? "'Well, he said if I'd done any more bad things, "'he ain't gonna let me tend the rabbits.' "'She moved closer to him and she spoke soothingly. "'Don't you worry about talking to me. "'Listen to the guys yell out there. "'They got $4 bet in that tenement. "'None of them ain't gonna leave till it's over.' "'If George sees me talking to you, he'll give me hell,' "'Lenny said cautiously. "'He told me so.' "'Her face grew angry. "'What's the matter with me?' she cried. Ain't I got a right to talk to nobody? What do they think I am anyways? You're a nice guy. I don't know why I can't talk to you. I ain't doing no harm to you. Well, George says you'll get us in a mess. Aw, nuts, she said. What kind of harm am I doing to you? Seems like they ain't none of them cares how I gotta live. I tell you, I ain't used to living like this. I could have made something of myself, she said darkly. Maybe I will yet, And then her words tumbled out in a passion of communication, as though she hurried before her listener could be taken away. I lived right in Salinas, she said. Come there when I was a kid. While a show come through, and I met one of the actors. He said I could go with that show, but my old lady wouldn't let me. She says because I was only fifteen. But the guy says I coulda, if I'd went, I wouldn't be living like this. You bet. Lenny stroked the pup back and forth. We're gonna have a little place and rabbits. He explained. She went on with her story quickly before she could be interrupted. Another time I met a guy, and he was in pictures. Went out to the Riverdale Dance Palace with him. He says he was going to put me in the movies. Says I was a natural. Soon as he got back to Hollywood, he was going to write to me about it. She looked closely at Lenny to see whether he was to see whether she was impressing him. I never got that letter. She said. I always thought my old lady stole it. "'Well, I wasn't going to stay in no place where I couldn't get nowhere "'or make something of myself and where they stole your letters.' "'I asked her if she stole it, too, and she says no. "'So I married Curly, met him out to the Riverside Dance Palace that same night,' "'she demanded. "'You listening?' "'Me? "'Sure. "'Well, I ain't told this to nobody before. "'Maybe I oughtn't to. "'I don't like Curly. "'He ain't a nice fella.' And because she had confided in him, she moved closer to Lenny and sat beside him. Could have been in the movies and had nice clothes, all them nice clothes like they wear. And I could have sat in them big hotels and had pictures took of me. When they had them previews, I could have went to them and spoke in the radio. And it wouldn't have cost me a cent because I was in the picture and all them nice clothes like they wear. Because this guy says I was a natural She looked up at Lenny, and she made a small, grand gesture with her arm and hand to show that she could act. The fingers trailed after her leading wrist, and her little finger struck out grandly from the rest. Lenny sighed deeply. From outside came the clang of a horseshoe on metal, and then a chorus of cheers. Somebody made a ringer, said Curly's wife. That brings us to the end of Chapter 5, Segment 1 of Mr. Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Please stay tuned. Hi, everybody, and thank you for tuning in again to Carla Reads the Classics. Let's continue with John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men, Chapter 5, Segment 2. Now the light was lifting as the sun went down. And the sun streaks climbed up the wall and fell over the feeding racks and over the heads of horses. Lenny said, "'Maybe if I took this pup out and throwed him away, George would never know. And and then I could pet the rabbits without no trouble.' Curly's wife said angrily, "'Don't you think of nothing but rabbits? We're going to have a little place.' Lenny said patiently. We're going to have a house and a garden and a place for alfalfa, and that alfalfa is for the rabbits. And I take a sack and I get it full of alfalfa, and then I take it to the rabbits. She asked, What makes you so nuts about rabbits? Lenny had to think carefully before he could come to a conclusion. He moved cautiously close to her until he was tight against her. I like to pet nice things. Once at a fair, I seen some of them long-haired rabbits, and they was nice, you bet. Sometimes I've even pet mice, but not when I could get nothing better. Curly's wife moved away from him a little. I think you're nuts, she said. No, I ain't, Lenny explained earnestly. George says I ain't. I like to pet nice things with my fingers, soft things. She was a little bit reassured. Well, who don't, she said. Everybody likes that. "'I like to feel silk and velvet. "'Do you like to feel velvet?' "'Lenny chuckled with pleasure. "'You bet, by God!' he cried happily. "'And I had some, too. "'A lady give me some, and that lady was my own Aunt Clara. "'She give it right to me, about this big a piece. "'I wished I had that velvet right now.' "'A frown came over his face. "'I lost it,' he said. "'I ain't seen it for a long time.' Curly's wife laughed at him. You're nuts, she said, but you're a kind of nice fella, just like a big baby. But a person can kind of see what you mean. When I'm doing my hair sometimes, I just sit and stroke it because it's so soft. To show how she did it, she ran her fingers over the top of her head. Some people got kind of coarse hair, she said complacently. Take Curly. His hair is just like wire, but mine is soft and fine. Of course, I brush it a lot. That makes it fine. Here, feel right here. She took Lenny's hand and put it on her head. Feel right around there and see how soft it is. Lenny's big fingers fell to stroking her hair. Don't you mess it up, she said. Lenny said, oh, that's nice. And he stroked harder. Oh, that's nice. Look out now, you'll muss it. And then she cried angrily, you stop it now, you mess it all up. She jerked her head sideways and Lenny's fingers closed on her hair and hung on. Let go, she cried, you let go. Lenny was in a panic. His face was contorted. She screamed then and Lenny's other hand closed over her mouth and nose. Please don't, he begged. Oh, oh, please don't do that. George will be mad. She struggled violently under his hands. Her feet battered on the hay, and she writhed to be free. And from under Lenny's hand came a muffled screaming. Lenny began to cry with fright. Oh, oh, please don't do none of that, he begged. George gonna say I done a bad thing. He's gonna, he's not gonna let me tend no rabbits. He moved his hand a little, and her hoarse cry came out. Then Lenny grew angry. Now don't, he said. I don't want to. I don't want you to yell. You're going to get me in trouble, just like George says you will. Now don't you do that. And she continued to struggle, and her eyes were wild with terror. He shook her then, and he was angry with her. Don't you go yelling, he said, and he shook her, and her body flopped like a fish. And then she was still, for Lenny had broken her neck. He looked down at her, and carefully he removed his hand from over her mouth, and she lay still. I don't want to hurt you, he said, but George will be mad if you yell. When she didn't answer nor move, he bent closely over her. He lifted her arm and let it drop. For a moment, he seemed bewildered, and then he whispered in fright. I've done a bad thing. I've done another bad thing. He pawed up the hay until it partly covered her. From outside the barn came a cry from men and the double clang of shoes on metal. For the first time, Lenny became conscious of the outside. He crouched down in the hay and listened. I'd done a real bad thing, he said. I shouldn't have done that. George will be mad. And he said, and and, and hide in the brush till he come. He's going to be mad in the brush till he come. That's what he said. Lenny went back and looked at the dead girl. The puppy lay close to her. Lenny picked it up. I'll throw him away, he said. It's bad enough like it is. He put the pup under his coat, and he crept to the barn wall and peered out between the cracks toward the horseshoe game. And then he crept around the end of the last manger and disappeared. The sunstreaks were high on the wall by now, and the light was growing soft in the barn. Curly's wife lay on her back, and she was half covered with hay. It was very quiet in the barn, and the quiet of the afternoon was on the ranch. Even the clang of the pitch shoes, even the voices of the men in the game seemed to grow more quiet. The air in the barn was dusky in advance of the outside day. A pigeon flew in through the open hay door and circled and flew out again. Around the last stall came a shepherd bitch, lean and long with heavy hanging dugs. Halfway to the packing box where the puppies were, she caught the dead scent of Curly's wife, and the hair rose along her spine. She whimpered and cringed to the packing box and jumped in among the puppies. Curly's wife lay with a half covering of yellow hay and the meanness of the plannings and the discontent and the ache for attention were all gone from her face. She was very pretty and simple, and her face was sweet and young. Now her rouged cheeks and her reddened lips made her seem alive and sleeping very lightly. The curls' little tiny sausages were spread on the hay behind her head, and her lips were parted. As happens sometimes, a moment settled and hovered and remained for, for much more than a moment. And sounds stopped and the movement stopped for much, much more than a moment. Then gradually time awakened again and moved sluggishly on. The horses stamped on, other, on the other side of the feeding racks and the halter chains clinked. Outside, the men's voices be- became louder and clearer. From around the end of the hall of the last stall, old Candy's voice came. Lenny, he called. Oh, Lenny, you in here? I've been figuring some more. Tell you what we can do, Lenny. Old Candy appeared around the end of the last stall. Oh, oh, Lenny, he called again. And then he stopped and his body stiffened. He rubbed a smooth wrist on his white stubble whiskers. I didn't know you was in here, he said to Curly's wife. "'When she didn't answer, he stepped nearer. "'You want to sleep out here?' he said disapprovingly. "'And then he was beside her and said, "'Oh, Jesus Christ!' "'He looked about helplessly and he rubbed his beard "'and then he jumped up and went quickly out of the barn. "'But the barn was alive now. "'The horses stamped and snorted "'and they chewed the straw and their bedding "'and they clashed the chains of their halters. "'In a moment, Candy came back and George was with him. "'George said, What was it you wanted to see me about? Candy pointed at Curly's wife. George stared. What's the matter with her? He asked. He stepped closer, and then he echoed Candy's words. Oh, Jesus Christ! He was down on his knees beside her. He put his hand over her heart, and finally, when he stood up slowly and stiffly, his face was hard and tight as wood, and his eyes were hard. Candy said, What done it? george looked coldly at him ain't you got any idea he asked and candy was silent i should have knew george said hopelessly i guess maybe way back in my head i did candy asked what we gonna do now george what what we gonna do george was a long time in answering guess we got to tell the tell the guys i, I guess we got to get them and lock him up we can't let him get away Why the poor bastard starve. And he tried to reassure himself. Maybe they'll lock him up and, and be nice to him. But Candy said excitedly, We ought to let him get away. You don't know that Curly. Curly's going to want to get him lynched. Curly will get him killed. George watched Candy's lips. Yeah, he said at last. That's right. Curly will. And the other guys will. And he looked back at Curly's wife. Now Candy spoke his greatest fear. You and me can get that little place, can't we, George? You and me can go there and live nice, can't we, George? Can't we? Before George answered, Candy dropped his head and looked down at the hay. He knew. George said softly, I think I knowed from the very first. I think I knowed we'd never do her. He used to like to hear about it so much I got to thinking maybe we would. Then... It's all off? Candy asked sulkily. George didn't answer his question. George said, I'll work my month and I'll take my 50 bucks and I'll stay all night in some lousy cat house or I'll set up in some pool room till everybody's gone home and then I'll come back and work another month and I'll have another 50 bucks more. Candy said, he's such a nice fella. I didn't think he'd do nothing like this. George still stared at Curly's wife. Lenny never done it in meanness, he said. All the time he'd done bad things, but he never done one of em mean. He straightened up and looked back at Candy. Now listen, we got to tell the guys. They got to bring him in, I guess. They ain't no way out. Maybe they won't hurt him, he said sharply. I ain't going to let him hurt Lenny. Now you listen. The guys might think I was in on it, I'm going to go in the bunkhouse. Then in a minute you come out and tell the guys about her and I'll come along and make like I never seen her. Will you do that? So the guys won't think I was in on it. Candy said, sure, George. Sure. I I'll do that. Okay. Give me a couple minutes then. And you come running out and tell like you just found her. I'm going now. George turned and went quickly out of the barn. Old Candy watched him go. He looked helplessly back at Curly's wife, and gradually his sorrow and his anger grew into words. "'You goddamn tramp!' he said viciously. you done it, didn't you? "'I suppose you're glad. "'Everybody knowed you'd mess things up. "'You wasn't no good. "'You ain't no good now, you lousy tart!' "'He sniveled, and his voice shook. "'I could have hoed in the garden "'and watched dishes for them guys.' He paused, and then he went on in a sing-song, and he repeated the old words. If they was a circus or a baseball game, we could have went to her, just said to hell with work and went to her, never asked nobody say so, and they'd have been a pig and chickens, and in the winter the little fat stove and the rain coming and just us settin' there. His eyes blinked with tears, and he turned and went weakly out of the barn, and and he rubbed his bristly whiskers with his wrist stump. Outside, the noise of the game stopped. There was a rise of voices in question, a drum of running feet, and the men burst into the barn. Slim and and Carlson and Young Wit and Curly and Crooks Keeping back out of the attention range, Candy came after them, and last of all came George. George had put on his blue denim coat and buttoned it, and his black hat was pulled down low over his eyes. The men raced around the last stall. Their eyes found Curly's wife in the gloom. They stopped and stood, and stood still and looked. Then Slim went quietly over to her, and he felt her wrist. One lean finger touched her cheek, and then his hand went under her tightly twisted neck, and his fingers explored her neck. When he stood up, the men crowded near, and the spell was broken. Curly came suddenly to life. I know who done it, he cried. That big son of a bitch done it. I know he done it. Why, everybody else was out there playing horseshoes. He worked himself into a fury. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna, I'm going for my shotgun. I'll kill the big son of a bitch myself. I'll shoot him in the guts. Come on, you guys. He ran furiously out of the barn. Carlson said, I'll get my Luger. And he ran out too. Slim turned quietly to George. I guess Lenny done it all right, he said. Her next bust. Lenny could have done that. George didn't answer, but he nodded slowly. His hat was so far down on his forehead that his eyes were covered. Slim went on. Maybe like that time in weed you was telling about. Again, George nodded. Slim sighed. Well, I guess we gotta go get him. Where you think he might have went? It seemed to take George some time to free his words. He would have went south, he said. We come from the north, so he would have went south. I guess we gotta get him, Slim repeated. George stepped close. Couldn't we maybe bring him in and they'll lock him up? He's nuts, Slim. He never done this to be mean. Slim nodded. We might, he said. If we could keep Curly in, we might. But Curly's gonna want to shoot him. Curly's still mad about his hand. And suppose they lock him up and strap him down and put him in a cage. That ain't no good, George. I know said George. I know. Carlson came running in. That bastard stole my Luger, he shouted. It ain't in my bag. Curly followed him, and Curly carried a shotgun in his good hand. Curly was cold now. All right, you guys, he said. The nigger's got a shotgun. You take it, Carlson. When you see him, don't give him no chance. Shoot for his guts. That'll double him over. Whit said excitedly, I ain't got a gun, Curly said. You go in Soledad and get a cop. Get Al Wits. He's deputy sheriff. Let's go now. He turned surprising, suspiciously on George. You're coming with us, fella. Yeah, said George. I'll come. But listen, Curly, the poor bastard's nuts. Don't shoot him. He didn't know what he was doing. Don't shoot him, Curly cried. He's got Carlson's Luger. Of course we'll shoot him. George said weakly, maybe Carlson lost his gun. I seen it this morning, said Carlson. No, it's been took. Slim stood looking down at Curly's wife. He said, Curly, maybe you better stay here with your wife. Curly's face reddened. I'm going, he said. I'm going to shoot the guts out of that big bastard myself. Even if I only got one hand, I'm going to get him. Slim turned to Candy. You stay with her then, Candy. The rest of us better get going. They moved away. George stopped a moment beside Candy, and they both looked down at the dead girl until Curly yelled, "'You, George, you stick with us so we don't think you had nothing to do with this!' George moved slowly after them, and his feet dragged heavily, and when they were gone, Candy squatted down in the hay and watched the face of Curly's wife. "'Poor bastard,' he said softly. The sound of the men grew fainter. The barn was darkening gradually, and in their stalls the horses shifted their feet and rattled the halter chains. Old Candy lay down in the hay and covered his eyes with his arm. That'll do it for chapter five of John Steinbeck's of Mice and Men. Thank you so very much for listening. Please tune in again for the final chapter. Till next time.